I can hear you. I can hear you. I can hear oh, you. Oh, you can. I, I can hear you. I can hear you. I can Great. Hear you. Can you hear me? I can, can hear you. Hear you? This is I my new hear musical. This is my. This is the musical <laughs> of the. This is the, the the Zoom musical. It's called Can You Hear Me? I Can Hear You. Can You Hear Me? I Can Hear You. Because we have hour long meetings and always the first seven minutes is Hang on, I'm not getting you. What? What? Oh, you're gonna <laughs> exactly. you're gonna go out and come. You, ah. you, you're on mute. Yeah. 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 I accidentally made the what? Hey, kia ora team. Today's episode is brought to you by Mr. Vintage. Mr. Vintage is New Zealand's most iconic t-shirt brand. Doesn't matter if it's a local pop cultural phenomenon, a sporting event, or even a New Zealand personality, there's every chance that Mr. Vintage has made a t-shirt for them and some product for it. Kiwi owned since 2004, selling Kiwiana t-shirts and gifts online. There's even a range of king sizes for us bigger fellas. Today, Mr. Vintage and us want to give you an extra special special. How about 20% off any men's t-shirt? All you need to do is go to mrvintage.co.nz in the checkout, use the promo code FUNNY, F-U-N-N-Y, and you will get 20% off any men's t-shirt. Head to mrvintage.co.nz, enter the promo code FUNNY at checkout, for 20% off any men's t-shirt. Hey, thanks for coming on board. And look, I got to say, to start off with, uh, incredibly wise decision of yours to do this remotely. Like we've been talking really? about people. Yeah, oh, totally. I mean, like, I don't think there was any risk at all to come. But I mean, I still yeah. think, because, okay, people don't know what's going on. So I'll explain. I've got a 16-year-old with COVID in the house at the moment, who at the moment is about five meters away from me up there on the other floor with about four doors between us. So she's not, there's no, no risk to be downstairs, but I'm like, I talked to my partner and she's like, oh, so good to hear some people still taking those decisions and taking it seriously because so many people aren't. So, mate, I think you deciding not to come oh. is a fucking really good idea. Good on you. Oh, well done, you. Good. I'm surprised here because so many people are wearing masks down here, which is amazing. Oh, that's interesting. So you're nobody, observing from, from Tamaki Makoto. From Tamaki Makoto, mm. where nobody wears masks anymore. That's an interesting observation from you. I haven't been in Auckland since about October, and it felt mm -hmm. about the same then. But maybe Auckland's Auckland's shot off a bit more. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder if it's because, and I don't know this. I wonder if it's because uh, we have so many potential hotspots with our student population that maybe uh, they've sure. just decided. Maybe they've just decided. To, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but I look. I yeah. when I see someone in them, I'm not really masking much at the moment. I got COVID for the first time in December, and for, so Ugh. I'm still kind of in that three month window. Um, I don't know what I'll do yeah. in a couple of months from now. Um, but every time I see someone in a mask, I go, oh, "Good on you, proud of you." Yeah, well I do too. I do too. Yeah, yeah, man, do it. Yeah, do it. Yeah, it's funny because like looking out at um, a show I was doing um, like a week ago, and there were people in the front row wearing masks, and I was like. That's great, mate. Love yeah. that for you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. In fact, I do it the other way as well. Like if I'm, if I'm going to the supermarket now and in this current climate, I'm choosing not to mask and I don't know if I'll ever go back to it. We'll see. But if I see someone at the counter wearing a mask, like as in the checkout person, I'll go to that one. Cause I'm like, well, if you're looking yeah. after yourself, 
then that means you're kind of looking after me groceries. Yeah, damn me. (laughs) And you'll treat them with kid gloves as they go through the... Um, I'm really excited to chat to you because uh, we tried to do this last year and I can't even remember what happened, but something happened and then something happened and then something happened. Yeah. Yeah. Busy life. Life Life. got in the way. But the exciting thing was that was for my other podcast. And since then I've started up this podcast about talking to comedians and, 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 and here you are. So it's very cool. I feel very honored because you've had some pretty good guests so far. Yeah, it's been a bit of a good start, actually. We've been really enjoying what we're doing, and hopefully, you know, there's enough comedians around New Zealand <clears throat> and the world, just putting that out to the universe, um, <laughs> that anything could happen in, in, with any time. And also, you know, talking to comedians about comedy, there's nothing to say that I can't speak to a Paul Ego or a Mouse Chalet Court next year as well, because there's new stuff going on in the world yeah. and new stuff going on in their lives and new tours and so yeah, so maybe I'll just exactly. find my fifty-two favorite comedians and talk to them every year. One, one you will slot you. It's like time, like timeshare. This is like timeshare, yeah. and this is your week from now on. So put it in your diary. Get Google out. Love what is it. it? Outlook out. Right. Yeah, and, and do every twelve months. This is the appointment. Um, yeah, for the rest no, cool. of it's time. To, for the rest of time, uh, it's cool to have you on yeah. board. And uh, tell me about Dunedin. You're here doing the fringe at the moment. Uh, have you enjoyed your stay? I am doing- Fringe. Yeah, so we opened last night. I'm doing half an hour with Justine Smith, um, National Treasure. (laughs) And, um, yeah, we're just kind of trying some new stuff before festival, but also just like I love performing at this Fringe because it's just such a good time and get great audiences. And it's just it's like the start of the comedy year for me in a way. Right. Because everything right. kind of happens after after Fringe, so right. yeah, it's been real fun so far. How old do you have to be before you get called a national treasure? Because I would assume that someone who is twenty one and the young hot comedian in the world, the one that's shocking all of New Zealand, wouldn't be called a national treasure. They might no, be called something else. So, so national treasure. I, I'm not trying to say this in a disrespectful way to Justine, because <laughs> we're the same age, I think. But what point do you have to get to before that that title actually I kicks know, yeah. in? I guess yeah, it's like a generational thing, I suppose. Once you get to the kind of you're the auntie of comedy with Michelle A. Nice. Court, I nice. guess you know, uh, like yeah. That's official, is it? That's the title. Yeah. I know Michelle talks, since she got her um, Queen's, King's birthday honours, she talks about needing a tiara. So that kind of, yeah, it kind of fits in with the, uh, with the auntie thing as well. I was interested in looking at your, exactly. your gig, in, gig in Dunedin that you are doing like a two-hander. You're doing it with um, Justine, half an hour each though, not on at the same time. Why are you doing it no. as, a, as like a two-person, one show? What was the decision behind that? Um, yeah, it's just to try out new stuff and it's much easier to have I like gigging with someone else (laughs) um, but also she'll help me sell tickets probably so um, yeah I don't know David Correa is doing a whole hour um, and I just it's good to have a deadline you know so you know you're doing fringe you're like I have to write an hour before fringe but um, yeah I'm just a bit lazy I guess I like seeing how people communicate and how different they are you just mentioned David Correa's um I sent him the same message I sent you this morning, right? Which was the, what we just talked about. You know, just so you know, COVID in the house is not near the studio, but you need to know so you can make your own decision. You were quite, you know, mm. I'm, I'm going on holiday. I don't want to get it. So I'm going to be careful. Uh, he just put a love heart on the message. I don't know what the fuck that means. He loved the message, 
So I still, so I still don't know whether David's coming to the studio tomorrow. He put a love heart on the message that said there's a 16 year old with with COVID, and then he put a love heart on the message. Well, I I talked about that. I was doing one with you today on on Zoom, and he put a love heart on that too. So I'm not entirely sure what David was communicating back to me, but it is interesting to the different style in communication between you and him. Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> He's a madman, eh? It's 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 not to this is this is talk about you, but I just saw Robbie Nickel put up a um a tweet just today, I think, talking about David Crash should be on every New Zealand television show, and it showed like a thirty second clip of him just going mad on stage. I think on the Spelling Bee show. On so. Spelling Bee. Yeah. <laughs> wow, let's go. That's what he's. So Justin and I are Airbnbing with him here. Oh, and nice. um yeah and i like david and i we're like comedy wife and husband we gig together quite a lot and quite often do like two handers together and so um i said to justin i was like are you sure you wanna are you sure you wanna stay with david well we're down here <laughs> and she was like yeah it'd be great and i was like okay so, like i know what he's like but he's calmed down a lot to be fair it seems like he's the kind of guy that, you know, those toys, you'd pull the string on the back and they'd go for a while. He seems to be, you pull yeah. the string on the back, but it's like an everlasting string. It never kind of runs yeah, out. That's the vibe I get from, from him. And so what he totally. does on stage and that. <laughs> he's, oh, how did Juzzy describe him yesterday? Um, joyful. Uh, something there's something about him on stage he's just so joyful and having so yeah. much fun it's infectious yeah. it's, I said last night I'm going to try and bring some David Correos joy to my show <laughs> <laughs> that's great hey um you're the gig that you're doing and you said this is the start mm. like it's interesting to see how the comedy circuit works people do Dunedin and then they go back and they do the international then they go off and do Melbourne and that sort of thing is that the path for you is that where you mm. are in your kind of comedy career at the moment are you doing the international festival is this the same show or is this a bit of a warm-up and there's a different show coming through the year um yeah great question um usually You'd, we'd kind of go Dunedin, no, Wellington Fringe, Dunedin Fringe, Auckland Fringe, Auckland Comedy Fest. But um, Auckland Fringe has moved to like September or something weird. And Wellington Fringe, I didn't want to burn through my Wellington audience before festival. Right. So we right. skipped Fringe there this year. But um, quite often, I think a lot of comedians use Dunedin Fringe to like, you know, start the, do some old stuff, do some new stuff, like just get back in the game, I guess. Um, so yeah, I've been to Melbourne Comedy Fest a few times, which is before New Zealand, but um, it's quite expensive and yeah. um, I didn't, yeah. So I'm doing Comedy Fest here, um, Auckland, Wellington, and then yeah, we'll see. I'm going to Sydney in June to do Comedy Store, which will be real fun. And yeah. Hmm. Is the international performance for a comedian just sort of as it sounds that you you got to kind of fund yourself getting there and then you got to sell enough tickets to pay for it? Or is that pretty much, I That's mean, exactly like, for example, right. headline, headline, I'm sure James Acaster's not paying his way over here to do to do Auckland because he's a you know, massive yeah, worldwide yeah, name. Yeah. But for the, for, the, for the general comedian, is that fun? You got to pretty much fund it yourself and hope you get the back end oh, yeah. on ticket sales? Yeah, man. That's exactly it. And when you're going to a different country where nobody knows you and you've got yep. to sell tickets, it can be pretty hard and yeah. pretty demoralizing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? 
oh yeah, there's nothing like walking down a street and seeing your flyer on the ground with someone's footprint on it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Try to sell tickets. It's a metaphor for mm. life, isn't it? My, it my sure life, my flies on sure the ground. Is. is that and what yeah, festivals yeah. have you done around the world? You've obviously done Melbourne. Have you done anything further afield? Have you managed to get to Edinburgh nah. yet? Is that still on? Is that still on the kind of bucket list? Sort of. So I feel like I've been pretty lucky with Melbourne because I am part of a, an improv troupe called Snort, and yep. we've been going to Melbourne since twenty. 2014 I think um and it was just an amazing um thing to be able to do by taking this group of comedians over there and it would kind of subsidize if we wanted to do our own show you know where I'm kind of already going and you've got a support network there already you're getting international guests to come on and do monologues for the improv show so you're meeting you know all these cool comedians and stuff um but uh I don't it's not, it's not going to Melbourne this year, but it is still quite hard on your own because you still got to, you know, get yourself over there. There's the registration, there's the accommodation. Like I, I remember people saying they've lost like tens of thousands of dollars going to Edinburgh and stuff. Oh. And I was like, I'm too old to lose that much money. So I couldn't <laughs> even raise that much money anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a hard road. I mean, for you, what, what does that mean yeah. for you? Like, like I always ask this question through and normally it's further down after we've chatted for 20 minutes or so. But so who, who are you at your core? Like who was who was Donna Brookbanks at her core when it comes to performing? Like Michelle Acourt did it perfectly the other day. She went, well, when I go into a uh, new country, what I write on the entry card is for my occupation. It's like like like, who are you? Are you a are you a stand up comedian? Are you a, are you a presenter? Are you a performer? Is there another career outside of entertainment that you'd kind of consider yourself at your core to be? Interesting. I suppose I. I was talking about this with my mum the other day. That's quite funny because I was like, oh, it was for um, the census, I think. And you had to yeah, put there you your, go. What you, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, God. Um, and entertainer was there. And I was like, you can't, I don't feel comfortable putting entertainer because I feel like either you're a stripper or you're a child's birthday party entertainer. Or you're Billy you know? T. James. <laughs> or, or you're a comedian or from the 70s James. or 80s who sung and danced yeah, as yeah, well. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think I, I I think I would probably put actor, okay. TVH, yeah, yeah. I trained yeah. as an actor, and that's like kind of my first love, I suppose. Um, so when you when you say first love, I kind of mm. try and nuts out that. So I went, if you could be at the pinnacle of whatever career you wanted to be, would it mm. be winning an Oscar versus whatever the most whatever the the, the Jim Carrey of our time? You know, would that be what? Would that be how we could measure it? If you were to be at the absolute pinnacle of what you wanted to be? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. I love comedy acting as opposed to like, like in characters and all that sort of stuff. As opposed to, um, more than I love doing stand up and drama acting. So yeah, yeah. if I was the Jim Carrey yeah. of our time, that would be freaking fun. That's kind of both fields, isn't it? Because there was, I guess, the who, who would who would be the is there a unanimous world's greatest stand-up comedian at the moment? I mean, people talk about people in the past like Richard Pryor or Eddie Murphy being it, but mm-hmm. that was right now, a lot of people talk about Dave Chappelle, but he's got quite an, uh, controversial in some of his subject matter, but yeah, for the skill yeah, of. But, yeah. Yeah, but I guess Jim Carrey yeah. is the guy, isn't it? He's the one that's done the stand-up comedy, been incredibly successful there, and then moved into, and then and then actually moved into comedy movies, and then moved into Oscar award-winning movies. So yeah, he's a yeah. he's a fascinating cat, Just and casually. now he's moved into being a guru with that beard that he's got and stuff. Oh, I know, right? 
I know. I loved him in um, Man on the Moon. Is that what it's called? Yep. The yep. one about Andy Kaufman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I thought he was just amazing. But then you hear all those stories about him being like not being able to get out of like going really method on it and being Andy Kaufman all the time to the point that everyone was like, I just want to punch him in the face. If you haven't seen it, there's a documentary on Netflix called Andy and Me. And the That's documentary, it, yeah, yeah, yeah it, it's about it's about him staying in character and what they did 25 right. years ago was Jim Carrey had his own film crew who and the, the documentary filmmaker was Andy Kaufman's girlfriend before he died and she's now a documentary filmmaker. And so they documented Jim Carrey playing Andy Kaufman and in that documentary, Jim talks about not being method this is going to sound a bit wanky, but he goes, he feels like Andy actually came into his body. He was like, yeah, it was right. more than that. he tells this story about meeting Andy Kaufman's daughter that Andy Kaufman had never met. Um, and he comes out of it saying that it, you don't see any of it on video. He goes, uh, his daughter got a, got to spend an hour with Andy Kaufman, not an hour with Jim Carrey playing Andy Kaufman, an hour with Andy Kaufman. It's one of those documentaries that I go, uh, if you like watching things about the creative process, like I like back and forth mm. by the Foo Fighters documentary. I like six days to air the South Park documentary, you know, and this is one of those ones. If you like to watch the creative process, it's an absolute must mm. see. So there, there's my recommendation yes. for today. I need some cheesy sound effect. Bring Pat's recommendation for the day um, is Andy yeah. and me on Netflix. <laughs> it's really good. Really, really yeah. good. You're also though a wedding celebrant. I noticed that. Uh, <laughs> I am. Friend, friend of mine, Penny Ashton, does that as well. Is that is that something you love and you want to do, or is that kind of to pay the bills? And because you're good in front of audiences, it's a it's a good fit. Yeah, it's a little a little bit of both, to be honest. Um, I love love, and I love weddings, <laughs> and so I was. Um, that sounds winky too, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> I was playing a wedding celebrant on Shorty, and I was like actually this would be another good way to make a little bit of money because you know yeah. you have to have all these different odd jobs to kind of get you through um and so um i did it i went through the process and did it i've done i think i've done about 11 weddings now yeah i love it so much it's so much fun each wedding is so different from the next one and it's such a like uh a, like a little um insight into the couple you know that day do you uh, like do you put your your humor and stuff into it or do you take it quite seriously i i try to read the room like i can right. tell with some couples you know they want fun and like relaxed and stuff but i've done a wedding as well where they took it really seriously and it was like yeah. got to be the perfect day and i was like oh my god the stress but i just knew that that wasn't going to be the you know one that want like jokes and and you know light-hearted yeah exactly <laughs> Ta-da. pull the wedding rings out of a hat sort of thing <laughs> i got when i got married um way back when um we got married by a minister from a church so like the proper kind oh yeah that sort of dude and he said to me he's great he's great fun he was light-hearted it was good but he goes yeah this is this is the second level of things i take seriously funeral most serious wedding chicken sure. most serious but he wasn't meaning serious as an i'm going to be stern he means i the yeah, responsibility yeah, yeah. for this it goes funeral yeah, at the man. top and then wedding so i was thinking oh, that's interesting. i can imagine it's, that it's, yeah because many people will say you know best day of my life greatest day of my life and so it's an important part to play eh? 
it really is man and you know it means a lot to the couple you know they've generally spent way too much money on a day and they you know but also I I try to remind them like it's not going to go perfectly like and that's the yeah, beauty yeah. of it as well you know is um the little things that happen that um make it original and make it such a special day I suppose Everyone's got some like one good piece of advice about various things. I've got one good piece of advice about weddings, which I'll give out now because I'm sure people are on bated breath waiting for it. But as a as a as a as a celebrant, um, obviously you have lots of conversations with couples. What have you learned? What's a, a piece of advice for other people getting married that will help them? Oh, enjoy every moment, like because the day goes so fast. And all of a sudden, like, in there's so much going on. Like, everyone wants to talk to you. Everyone wants to, like, hug you and stuff. Just try and, like, every single moment just be like, okay, I'm in this moment. You know, be in the day because it happens so, so quickly. Yeah. Yeah, no, nah, cool. My one piece of advice to people always, and it sounds a little bit like, uh, like, a, like a theatre brat, but have a stage manager. Like, have a stage manager. Have Amen. someone who knows, who knows everything and then – the 10 times during your wedding day when someone comes to you and goes, oh, just like the, the drinks are coming out. You go, you go see that person. They're the stage manager. So have exactly. a stage manager, have them across the whole thing. They don't have to do anything in particular, but they know everything. Yeah, They've got yeah, all yeah. the details. They know it. And you can just send the person to the stage manager. Now that might be a best man or a, or a, or a maid of honor or something MC, as well. But so, something, mm. something. Have a stage manager who can make all of those decisions when you are all loved up and probably half pissed. Probably at the same exactly. time. Exactly. Probably. Exactly. Hey, um, how much of your how much of your comedy comes from your real life? How much of what you do on stage is like true things that you have are and have experienced? How much is just I've I've thought of a good idea? Um, it's probably it used to be fully, um, my life. I think now I'm starting to bring in more like kind of observations and wouldn't it be funny if kind of this right. idea, um, but a lot of it comes from my real life. A lot of it comes from my real life. <laughs> silly things that have happened to me or silly things that I've seen or, um, yeah, I love watching people. So it sounds creepy, doesn't it? Um, no, <laughs> uh, not to me. No, no. Okay, great. You're great. Awesome. Um, yeah, things I've done that I've gone, oh, like I'm I'm pretty self-deprecating. You're very, very funny. I mean, like I really enjoy watching you on stage. The The most important thing I want to know about today's conversation is does the boyfriend still fancy Emily? Um, that's We broke up. Then that's, that's, <laughs> oh, did, he, was, did it have anything to do with Emily? No, it was, I could, that was a true story, Like he, but not quite to the... Um, it wasn't quite to that extent. Like it was exaggerated a little bit. Do you want to just do, do you want to just nutshell it for us, just for pe people who haven't heard it? I just you know, I'm not asking you to yeah. do the act, but just the the gag in general was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's about how um, my boyfriend and I were talking about how you get you have a free pass in a relationship, and mine's like Idris Elba and you know like all these hot guys, and he was like, oh, I don't know who mine would be, and then. Um, he surprised me one day by saying, I know who my free pass would be. It'd be Emily, your friend. Um, and <laughs> did you, know, you hear Emily? You went, oh, yeah, Emily Blunt, she's pretty hot. I, I can get that. Yeah, Blunt, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and that actually, it happened, but not to that extent. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. 
Oh gosh, it's don't so, we all wish we could have that kind of free pass? Oh, you know that, that, that free passing? There's this girl at the gym. You know that? There's this girl at the gym. She's like 25 years younger than me and she's smoking. Is it? Yeah. No, no. Okay, that's a no. That's a hard no? Or are we just, it's a hard no. Okay, it's a hard no. All okay. right, I'm glad we good had our chat. Good, no, good no. Yeah. <laughs> Healthy chats, good chance. Yeah. Oh, man, oh, man. How did he feel about that joke on stage? And how does he feel about it now? That uh, poor thing. He used to get um, a bit teased about it, but he he knows what the stand-up world is like, so he took it with a grain of salt, which is yep. great. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, with those sort of things as well, it's like how true are things anyway, so people wouldn't be like, that's definitely, yeah. you know, something that he'd say. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah very no, funny. He's, good. Um, he's still very supportive, so. I really want to know as well, can you explain to me um, – the story behind your Twitter profile pic. Oh, <laughs> I just really like that photo because I'm having a I'm legit laughing. Um, yeah, but that, that, that that's not a that, that's not like a you're not on a green screen. That's a, there's something something that's no. caused that laugh. What's the story? Yeah, I I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was during my headshots with Andy Crown, who is one of them like best actors as well as photographers I know and she the thing I love about having photos with Andy is because she just makes you feel so at ease like I'm quite often like Chandler and you know the um there's that scene in Friends where Chandler and Monica get their photos taken and every time mm -hmm. the camera comes up to him he's like <laughs> and can't <laughs> smile and I feel like that's a little bit me so obviously she's probably said something silly and funny and I've just fallen apart so yeah so, I mean, so often you get, like you say, even though people can do it, the fake kind of smile and smile, smile for the camera sort of thing, yeah. the, nothing's like like the real snort, for want of a better word. Yeah. Nothing, there's nothing like it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you can tell. Eh? Do you find that you're a particularly political person? Um, as we were recording this, no. uh, this weekend coming up, there's some pretty big political news in New Zealand with whole uh, Posey, whatever her name is, Parker coming to the country and yeah. lots of things going on. For you, so this will come out after that's happened, so we, we can't and won't comment on that necessarily, but are you someone who takes an interest in yeah. that sort of stuff? Are you someone who pays attention? Uh, are those sorts of kind of social issues and politics something that are in your life, uh, like, regularly? Um, I guess not really. Um, I am definitely taking an interest in it, um, and I, you know, I'm part of the arts world. Of course, like, I support, you know, all my all my brothers and sisters um every everyone but, being everything anytime they want that sort of thing yeah exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 but i'm not a very political comedian like i just don't i can't understand a lot of it <laughs> so i also i would also like it's a not my style and b i really don't want to offend anyone either you know like i if you kind of go into that area you have to be able to talk about it and i don't know enough about political stuff to be able to make a comment on that thing that sort of thing right. mm. even though you don't want to offend anyone i've got a very important question to ask you um Ooh. it seems from looking through your twitter feed and stuff you're a huge fan of ruby tui Fair. oh she's so cool yeah you also you also seem to have been as she was prime minister a pretty big fan of jacinda ardern Fair? Yeah, I do love Jacinda. Yeah. Okay. Now, you don't want to offend anyone, but if you were put into a situation where you could only <laughs> save one of them, 
You can only save one of them. <laughs> Which one of them are you going to save? Are you saving Ruby Tui from Imminent Demise or Jacinda Ardu? And you're, what's happened is your, 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 your boat's crashed and they're both caught underwater and they've both got a leg. They've both got like a bit of, bit of metal on their leg and they can't get out and you've got enough breath to get one of them out from that, from that situation. Who do you save and why? I don't mean to make you cry, by the way, but I just wanted to know. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really tough question. I feel like Ruby Tui is such a machine. She'd probably get herself out. But in saying that, I... It's not the game we're playing. That's not the game I, we're playing. You can't make I know, your own I know, I That's know. not the game we're playing. I, okay. <laughs> probably Jacinda. <gasps> oh, why? Has to be a reason. What's that? She's... She's been such a supporter of the arts and she'd come and see our show snort at the basement and stuff. And I've met her a few times and she's always remembered me. And I just think she's a queen, really. She's freaking cool. And I think she handled everything with grace. Let me just write this down. Ruby Tui can go fuck <laughs> Right. <laughs> That's what I heard. Is that what you said? That's what, you that's heard? what I heard. Yeah, that's what I heard. Uh, yeah, in a nutshell, I guess. Okay. You're right. on your own, Ruby. I'm actually scared. I don't want. I don't want to put. Get, you know, seeing how strong and fierce those women are, I do not want to get right? on the wrong side of any of them. So we'll we'll do what we do in broadcasting. Right. And go. It's an honest held belief. It's just an opinion. There's nothing legally binding with this conversation exactly. we're having right now. I did not kill Ruby Tui. Hey, um, tell me about Night Eyes. What's Night Eyes and when are we seeing more of it? Oh, my God. I'm obsessed with Muck Putty, um, yep. who are the animation company that have made Night Eyes, which Justine is also in as well. Um, Night Eyes. So last year I did, not last year, the year before, I did a bit on, I did a voice on their show, To Mickey Space, um, as a princess and... Um, Honestly, doing the voice stuff for characters is one of my favorite things to do in the world. And they asked me to come back and do Night Eyes, which is a show about um, what a hedgehog. I'm a skink, I think, from memory. And um, some oh, Angela Dravid's a butterfly, I think. And um, we're like paranormal investigators it's a kids show it's a cartoon it's so much fun honestly and they are so funny they write the funniest stuff i found this shiny new axe and this half-eaten sandwich oh well i thought you were setting up cameras outside i was and then i wasn't but yeah i think we may have just broken into someone's house i remember Years and years and years ago, um, they did a short cartoon for 48 hours called Camp Fair. And I remember watching it then and being like, the, these guys are so funny. Um, right. And so that's been a real dream to work with them, TBH. Yeah. Um, when, you're, yeah. when, you were oh, when you were growing up, like when you were younger, mm. um, what kind of arts, what kind of inspiration did you have in your house? Was there comedy in your house? Was there laughter in your house? Was there music in the house? Was there theater in your house? Like, what was it that you saw when you were a child that kind of started to lead you towards what you're doing now? Or is this way out of left field compared to maybe your upbringing, like doing stand up on stage and, and being funny? Hmm. It's an interesting question. Definitely lots of laughter in my house. 
Um, and my mum is an artist, so there was always like artisticness going on. <laughs> and my dad is very funny, uh, a very dad jokey sort of way. Um, right. And so apparently mum said like when I was three, I was like, I'm going to be an actor. I don't know where I got that from. There's no one in our family that's, you know, into that sort of thing. So it's quite left field in that sense. But, yeah, quite a creative family anyway. So And surrounded by you know, mum and dad's friends who were funny and, um, yeah, I don't know. Do you remember coming across stand-up comedy for the first time? Like, do you remember going, like lots of comedians are like, they, they've heard it and they've gone, what the crap is this? What, what, like, do you yeah. remember experience, experiencing that? Do you remember who it was or do you remember where and how you heard it? I've always been aware of stand-up comedy, but I've never, it never occurred to me that it would be something I would do for some reason. I don't know. Um, I, the the way I got into it was through Eli Matthewson, basically, through Snort, the improv group, because um, that's made up of so many stand-ups. And I was like, oh, this is, a, this is a thing. And I feel like it's kind of been sort of underground for a while in New Zealand, you know? Like it's not – it's suddenly burst. I don't know. That's – yeah. It feels like it's way more popular now than it ever was. Why but do you think that is? It might just be. Well, it might be just because I've discovered it. I think everyone else has discovered it at the same time. But um, I don't know. So what you're saying is it might be a case for you of I've just bought a Corolla and now I see Corollas all around the road. You know how you do that when you buy the car? Exactly, all of a sudden yeah, you see yeah, the car everywhere. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so doing uh, improv, improv comedy, right? Theatre sports, that kind of thing, mm -hmm. improv comedy, improv shows, leads into mm -hmm. stand-up comedy. Uh, do you remember your mm -hmm. first time on stage by yourself doing stand-up? How did it go? Tell us a story. Yeah. Um, it was at Golden Dawn, RIP Golden Dawn, um, the best bar in Ponsonby for so long, run by Matthew Crawley, who you might know of. Um, we did a stand-up night to fundraise for Melbourne for Snort. And um, I did my first set there. Eli helped me with it. I remember that very clearly. Um, right. And it went okay, I think, from memory. I was very lucky. Most people start out at the classic. You know, they do their first set at Raw. But um, I chose to do it at a bar on Ponsonby Road in Auckland, weirdly. But, um, yeah, that was kind of the hook. I was hooked in from there, I think. And it went well, obviously, enough to get you to come back and do it again and... It must have gone all right because I, yeah, kept doing it. <laughs> and when did improv comedy start? Did you do that kind of through the school system and then keep on going or when did you pick up on that? So, yeah, definitely did that at school, did theatre sports at school, like all yep. the cool kids. And then um, uh, went to Christchurch to do a show at the Court Theatre and right. they have the jesters there, obviously the longest running improv group in New Zealand. And they're very amazing and funny. And Kathleen Burns, who was in the show with me, who was one of the um, uh, longest serving jesters, I think, um, said I should come along to a workshop. And so I did that. I think I did a show with them. And I was like, this is so fun. We don't have anything like this in Auckland at the moment. And so she put me in touch mm. with Eli Matthewson and... 
at the moment and or that moment um yeah, yeah and yeah. yeah and a guy called eddie dever and we kind of came up with snort which was based on a upright citizens brigade format called Cat, and it kind of went from there yeah when, what era was this because you say the the reason i wonder about the at the moment sort of thing is is mm. um i work for theater sports auckland i performed with them for ah. you know, five five years or so and in the 90s you know it was selling out the maidment theater in auckland every Sunday yeah, night and you saw everyone so on stage. Cool. i wasn't i wasn't there in that era i came along afterwards doing more corporate stuff so mm-hmm. when, when did that all kind of stop in auckland from your observation like what era are you talking about that that all kind of disappeared this was so this is 2013 it's our 10 year okay. birthday this year um and i don't recall there being any improv wow. happening at apart from like yeah like the corporate stuff like you know improv bandits and that sort of thing con artists doing Mm -hmm. their stuff um Mm -hmm. and it's kind of having a bit of a renaissance i guess which is i think as well because i don't know if you find this i feel like people like think of improv as a bit uncool you know people don't understand understand it oh yeah i i agree performing and and i think con artists the group i don't know con artists i've never been associated with them but i think that's what theater sports auckland turned into because i think theater sports auckland from memory i was already gone um had had to change the name because the word theater sports was trademarked um i think that was the story behind it um but i remember doing a comedy festival new zealand international comedy festival yeah i did i did like three with them where we did improv shows we did a show one year called exfolios and Exfolios was 90 minutes of improv Shakespeare. Um, and oh my God, that's was, incredible. Yeah, it was a herald. So there was, for people who don't know, there's kind of three storylines intertwining to get to the end where it's where, where they all connect. And I still remember the best show that I felt like we did, I don't know, might have been five or seven or nine shows, was yeah. dark and scary and ominous and not no laughs. No laugh from the audience. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure there was actually, but compared to a theater sports game, no laugh from the audience. And it was the best one. And it kind of was an, an eye opener for a lot of people that it doesn't necessarily like improv doesn't necessarily need to be, um, you know, the world's worst step sort of thing. There's lots more you can do with it. Exactly. Exactly. The world's worst step. That's so funny. Um, as you were a young, when you were a younger person, when you're doing theater sports, when you're thinking about acting and stuff, I'm who still the people, very young. I know, younger, I think I said, did I say younger? I mean, cause you know, you're in your yeah, early twenties now. So younger <laughs> is 17. So that's fine. Um, early twenties. That's right. Yeah. 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 Who are the people that you looked at like on stage on screen that you looked up to? Like who were the, who, who was on your poster on the wall sort of thing? Who were the people that you're thinking, you know, they're, they're my heroes and idols. Oh, that's a tough question. Yeah. Um, okay. I only asked the hard questions here, don't I? Yeah, that's that's very true. Um, I had like posters of like you know George Clooney and like JTT on my wall and stuff. But um, in terms of looking up, I probably do you know? Uh, probably I was a huge fan of Wayne's World when I was younger. Oh, nice! And yeah, yeah massive fan of Wayne's World and. Um, like even as a kid like mr bean you know watching mr bean on you know sunday afternoon or whatever um but it i don't know probably more like 
the okay. genius of Mr. Bean, people people think it's just a bit of a geeky stupid thing, but the genius of Mr. Bean was that sold in every single region of the world because he doesn't fucking talk. And because he doesn't exactly. talk and all the comedy is through it's all physical comedy, every yeah, culture, man. every language, every part of the world knows who Mr. Bean is. It's one of the reasons all the black hatters, all the amazing things that Rowan Atkinson's done, Mr. Bean is what's going to be on his gravestone, you know, for the world to know right. about this guy unreal and un cool? and what a what just unreal unreal yeah he's he's amazing i love i i and and to see him in interviews in real life being so kind of slightly solemn and sort of very thoughtful yeah. and very, very softly spoken <laughs> very english and then you see him at the closing of the you know the london olympics playing mr bean on the and he's just like oh it's all there still it's all there all the all the comedy all the everything it's yeah he's amazing what it's about amazing. now though now that you're doing this kind of stand-up world and you're doing the acting mm -hmm. world and you're doing the, uh, all these sorts of things, who do you look around to now and think, man, I'm, I'm there. They really impressed me. They're someone who I'd like to aspire to be, I don't know, with or like, or next to, or see or yeah, visit. Yeah. 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 Um, poor, uh, I mean, Jim Carrey, obviously right. we've talked to already um but probably like Kristen Wiig for a long time I was pretty obsessed with like wanted to be her yeah. or yeah. um oh god there's someone on the top of my tongue and I can't think who it is um oh um Julia Louis-Dreyfus I'm in and I'm in V really world watching V okay. yeah and I I watched all of Seinfeld from start to finish over lockdown and I'm just obsessed with her I think she's so funny She's so great. Um, yeah. So she'd be one. I wouldn't be mad about that career. Or Lisa Kudrow. After it's just popped into my brain. I love the comeback. Um, yeah. That, that, yeah, that TV show she's done as well. Um, closer to home, probably Justine. I think she's just the coolest. Um, love her career. Is that because she's on yeah. the camera doing this? Is that, is that why? <laughs> right. No, no, she was just before. So sorry about that. <laughs> I just seemed right. distracted for one second. <laughs> oh, that, it's also interesting to hear what who you're talking about. You're talking about actors. You know, you're talking about yeah, I mean, I funny, a... funny actors, but you're talking about actors. Like yeah, you're uh, right. to the most, not not all of them. So it's yeah. always interesting to figure out the idea of who, you know, who you aspire to be and who you are and how often they align. Because mm. that's what you've said. You've said actor. And then you've highlighted actors, including even yeah, when you were younger, with George Clooney on the wall. So, so what do you do? What do you? How do you? How does a how does a Kiwi stand up, stand up actor or actor stand up? Uh, you know, break it into the big world of acting and move down that path. What kind of what kind of um, opportunities are there in Aotearoa for this, or is it mm. the kind of thing that if you want to do it, you got to end up you know being offshore? You got to you got to do a Rose Matafeo or Ursula Carlson or a yeah, or yeah, or, yeah. or a, a Cal Wilson. Is that the is that what really has to happen? I think so, but also in that sense, you're a smaller fish in a bigger pond, you know, yep. as opposed to being a, yeah. Um, I also love New Zealand. I don't want to have to leave to get work. I, I would travel for work, but um, yeah. I've been very lucky recently, I think, with doing, like I did a, an episode on mean mums and um, raised by refugees and um, little bits and pieces. So, um I think it's also about making creating your own work like you got to make your own work so um which is partly why I sort of got into stand-up I guess is you know to just work breeds work etc etc um yeah. so 
yeah it, it's tough man it's real tough <coughs> like i've i've missed out on a couple of big jobs this year and it's just like ugh, when will it kind of you know you you, you got to get used to being told no to be to be the, the, and where you where you are in your career right now do you have a like a five-year plan do you have a like where you want to be in five or ten or fifteen years time or is it is it a fickle industry and you're ready to kind of take almost every day is it is it like if you didn't get to where you want to be in 10 years from now what what is the plan is there a plan b or is it always just plan a is the only way to go it's funny i i i um i've never really had a plan b like i've done my hospital time i've done my office time you know but after in lockdown the first big lockdown we had as a country um i was like i lost all my work obviously and i was like oh my god what am i gonna do and you know every now and then as well i'm like oh maybe i'll just get a real job um but (laughs) i can't handle it anymore but um i had suddenly got into gardening and plants and stuff and i ended up doing a i've started a horticulture um like diploma and it was it's free thank you jacinda lol and um it's just oh, one so of hang those on, hang on. so, that, so yeah. that's favoritism no. that's like that's like no, payback no. it's like it's a mafia yeah. like she scratched yeah, your back exactly. you go, i got I it clear much, much clearer yeah. okay <laughs> no um it's one of those industries that they need people in and yeah. so their um the training is free which is amazing and so i started doing that and then I started, um, I started doing it as a job after lockdown kind of finished. But then I ended up getting a job writing on storylining on Shortland Street. So that kind of got put to the the back burner. But it's always kind of there if I if I you know want to do it, I guess. Yeah, that's not. It's like a lot of people. I I know a lot of people like who try to get into the acting scene. They've gone and got their teaching uh, diploma as well, and yeah. then they do you know, drama teaching. That's the other thing, or they do English teaching or something else. That's yeah, the other I've thought thing. about so, that too. So, whilst uh, in Dunedin, uh, have you been to botanical gardens? Is it something that you actually do as well? Like, if you're no, into horticulture, is it something? Yeah, you totally should. It's amazing. Yeah, I haven't Utterly been amazing. there this time. I have been there before, um, and yep. and love it. We're also staying near, I think, is there a Chinese garden or something yeah, down, down by the near Queen's Garden? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. we, Jazzy and I have said, oh, we must go have a look. Yeah, sounds good. Very cool. Um, big question yeah. for the day, or always is, you know, you've talked about what you, what you want to be, what you wanted to be, what you're going to be. When did you actually know you were funny? Like, do you remember a moment in your life where you kind of went, oh, I can make people laugh, whether it's through stand-up or through acting or through being silly. When when did that moment come for you? I think I know it was at um, acting school. I always wanted to be a serious actor, like I always wanted to be a Judy Dench kind of actor, you know, like um, Kate Blanchett, Judy, Den- Judy Dench, Judy Dench, or Jim Carrey, because there's there's quite a there's a really big Venn very diagram different, there. yeah, oh, very different. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Sorry, you're interrupting. Are you true? <laughs> no, no, no. It, it's funny. You're making me examine my life, and I don't know how I feel about <laughs> it. Um, uh, yeah, I always wanted to be like I always wanted to win an Oscar, um, and yeah, do serious acting. And then I went to acting school, and they were like, "Yeah, but I kept getting like the funny roles." And I was like, I remember being like, "Oh, these are." 
these are way more fun. And also I can't cry on cue. So, you know, I feel like that's probably pretty important if you're going to be a serious actor. <laughs> oh, you can't win an Oscar without crying yeah. in the movie, surely. I mean, you've got, you've got to Oscar cry at some crying. stage. Exactly. I think that's the exactly. rule of thumb. They go through the academy and they go, did they cry? No, let's just take that yeah. name out. <laughs> no, no. Although, out. although I, yeah. thought, I thought this the other day about crying, you know, with the – with how CG works this day and age, you don't need to be able to cry anymore. You know, we exactly. often look at people like Denzel Washington, they have the two tears coming down and it looks, it's amazing. You don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, well, you can, you can just nah. put a forlorn look on your face and they can CG a tear, no problems at all. So, so maybe now, maybe your moment's coming. Maybe it's still to come because you don't need to cry anymore. Maybe. I feel like I had to cry for something and they put um, like liquid tears in my eyes. Right. Sniff yeah. pepper. I've heard that before. Chunk of pepper up your nose. Do it. Or, or pull it. Really hard. Yeah, pull it. Pull it. Nose oh, here yeah. out. That's not a bad one either. My eyes water just thinking it. Hey, um, Donna, if people want to know more about you, how to get a hold of you and uh, who you are and where to connect with you, how do they do that? 022. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, 022. I am so funny. on. That's so well, funny. I'm on Twitter, as you said. <laughs> I'm on Facebook. I should get it. I'm, actually, while I'm here in Dunedin, I want um, David to help me set up TikTok. <laughs> okay. Yeah, need to start getting into the online world, I think. And that's a good place to go to find out about shows and stuff, especially Twitter. People will know what's happening and what's what's coming up with you there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. I very much enjoyed it. I've been very much looking forward to this chat for a long time, since last year, in fact. So okay. thank, you for find, thank you for finally finding some space in your diary for me. And um, <laughs> I, I wish you all the best for this year. You're welcome. And, I look, and, I, and I, the, my only thing I ask is when you win the Oscar, that you give a, yep. a shout out to us here in Dunedin and to this podcast to give you us bet. more exposure. That's all. You bet. It's the least I could do. The least you could do. Thanks, Donna. Thank you so much.